Hey entrepreneurs, are you going full speed just trying to keep up? Do you feel you have more losses than wins? For years, I was rushing to get to the next thing. There was always something that I had to learn before the thing I actually needed to learn. I felt like I was running in the wrong direction and moving even further away from my goals. So the big question is, how do you stop the craziness? How do you get to your next win? Well, this podcast will give you the answer. Join me on my journey as we have real conversations about struggles, successes, and tips so we can get you quicker, faster results, no fluff, and get you to your next win now. Hey everyone, welcome to Win the Hour, Win the Day podcast. I am your host, Chris Ward, and today we have Jan Jensen in the house. She has been an entrepreneur for 40 years. Now, let's talk about that for a quick second before we finish the intro, because that sounds like, you know, a really long time, but she started really young. So wait to hear her story. She uh, bought a home cleaning service franchise at 19, and then she became a serial entrepreneur in a wide range of businesses. And she is really passionate about helping entrepreneurs with their relationship with money and sales and everything else. And I can't wait for you to hear this really interesting part of her story. So stay tuned. Welcome to the show, Jan. Thank you, Chris. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, good. Okay. So when we chatted, we were talking about different things and you tapped into sales. And what I thought was really interesting to me and such a uh, a double-edged sword, as you said, listen, I was, you know, I was in a Jehovah Witness family as a child. So I was doing sales door to door at six years old or something ridiculously young. Is that true? That's true. I was trained in sales. I actually started going from door to door when I was still in a baby stroller. Oh my but gosh. By the time, and then I started, you know, ringing doorbells or knocking. And then by the time I was six, I was actually making my presentations and selling watchtowers and awakes for five cents each. Okay. All right. So you're no longer a Jehovah Witness. We're clear on I that. I escaped 21 years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what you know, not giving credit to Jehovah Witness, but you must have learned things in sales of either it's inbred into your fiber where you got older and the rest of us would struggle with how to ask for the sale. And you were taught with the pushiest of pushiest approaches. Like what, what were your takeaways from that? As far as sales go, like what was inbred in you that you didn't even realize the rest of us didn't know, or, or like, I don't even know what to ask as far as Jehovah Witness goes, but I bet you there's a lot there. There is. Okay. So there's a few really important things. One is you just get super used to the hearing the word no, because it hearing yes, doesn't happen hardly ever. Right. So you hear no, 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 no constantly. So you become really kind of immune to it. It's like no big deal. Whereas for a lot of entrepreneurs, hearing the word no is kind of like, ah, nobody loves me. Right. Which isn't true at all. So Hearing no is a huge training thing and really just learning about rejection in every way, shape or form, because of course, being raised as a Jehovah's Witness, you know, we don't celebrate Christmas and they don't celebrate birthdays and they don't celebrate Halloween. And, you know, you're just, you're weird. Like you're super weird right from the get go. So right away, that whole feeling of not being liked or being different or being rejected doesn't even phase me because that's how I was raised. Okay. That's, that's a heartwarming story. Okay. So, so I see your point and you made it sound very positive, but so that will always led my, I wanted to say too, as an enterprise, like what is the point of going to door to door? I don't know if I'm tapping into the wrong question here with Jehovah witness, but 
who is going to open the door and say, oh my gosh, you're so right. This is what I want to do. I have like, whatever, like how, when do you get a yes? So from a sales perspective, at some point, didn't somebody say this isn't working? They actually don't because okay. it's, such a, it's such a weird viewpoint. And I have to be honest with you, Chris, it's, it's weird. Um, okay. There is no other way around it. The whole belief is that your life is on the line if you don't go and warn people that, you know, this cataclysmic uh, event called Armageddon is just around the corner, which of okay. course it was just around the corner my entire life. Um, so it wasn't about necessarily saving them, although that was, right. that was part of the intent, but it was also okay. about making sure that you didn't have their blood on your hands. Okay. So I'm looking at from a sales conversions point of view, logical like business. And it, what it is, is a religion perspective of being tapped in to earn your keeping at the next plateau. Okay. Absolutely. Got it. So you have, you've answered a question I've always wondered. Thank you very much. So what you're saying too is what holds most of us back is this whole idea. If I ask and they say, no, it's kind of embarrassing and that whole rejection thing. And that the, the stuffing of that has been beat out of you. That is of not an issue for you whatsoever. No. Okay. It doesn't even enter my head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So then starting sales at like, you know, at toddler, which no, you know, I can't think of another person I've ever met that would have had that, that training and experience. Tell us what else we need to know about sales. Well, I think what happens with entrepreneurs is they get so stressed out about sales is that they, they kind of lose their, their perspective of what sales really is. And if you can just get over the idea of selling and you can get to the point where you realize mm. that you are there to help people solve a problem, that's it. That's all. Right. And right. if your solution is the right answer to their problem then yay and if it's not then it's okay because at least you offered which is better than not offering because how many times have we you know had an experience chris where finally you say to somebody well i wish you just told me that you knew that or i wish you had just told me about that right we've all done that people go well i didn't want to you know i didn't want to be pushy and this and it's like silly because we need we have a problem we need a solution and leave it up to that person to decide whether your solution is the one they want. Like, that's that a really cool? good, yeah, that's a really good point. And I know sales has this, this taint to it as if it's some one person imposing, you know, something on another, like, you know, aggression, or I'm going to hold you down to you buy. And I know when I started doing my podcast, one of my first interviews, like let's say in the first 10, I was talking to somebody. And then after the show, we start talking she was struggling with her team. And, and so I'm telling her about, you know, how to create your win team so that you can, you know, do what is next and all that stuff. And uh, she started asking more and more questions and I was giving her more and more information. And then she came back to me weeks later and we were talking about something else. And she kind of said, you know, are you open to some feedback? I said, yeah. And she goes, well, I really liked what you had to say and I could have used it. And I learned a lot from you. But I never knew what you sold because you never told me or you never said, well, we have this package, we have whatever. Now, in that scenario, I said to her, here is the thing. I had not been in that situation before where I interview you, we are have this conversation. So I kind of felt like, um, I don't know, like you're inviting family over to sell to them or something. Like I felt like, oh, I asked you to come on the show. I interviewed you. So I kind of felt like all like the bets were off. Like, okay, you know, like if she wanted, she would ask more questions, but I didn't want to be taking that step because I thought it would 
be misleading. Like I was doing a bait and switch. And she right. was like, yeah, I wanted to buy it. But at the, you never told me really what the package was or how much it cost. And I was like, oh my gosh, I could have done that. And now she's looking at me, frankly, as less of a business person than I was. Cause she's like, oh, do you not know? How, like, she's trying to help me now saying, do you not know how to ask for the sale? I was like, oh my gosh. All right. I just thought, you know, you can't invite somebody over for dinner and then ask to sell them. So that, so you do get lost there, but there is a way that that could have been handled, which is where a lot of entrepreneurs get stuck. Right. Which is in really just asking for permission. Yes. You know, or asking, you know, did you want some more information? Like, you know, I just want to, I'm, I'm kind of getting that vibe, but I just want to make sure. And if you had just said that, it would have opened up the door. But we seem to get so, I don't know, tongue-tied. We can talk about anything else, right? But then when it comes to having that sales conversation, it's like every brain cell kind of goes on goes on a, a siesta and we get tongue-tied. And it's just, it's really interesting, Chris. It happens to a lot of people. Yeah, and I mean, I kind of, I know that now and I sort of knew that then, then to ask for permission, but it was just a different scenario and I got confused and I was in my head, which is an issue. I have a fair amount of time, but you just get all worked up in your head, right? Um, okay, so that's a really good point. All right, let's go through some of the other things that we do poorly or dare I say wrong as sales because you know we could talk about this all day long. And every one of us, you, you just, you can't be an entrepreneur on any level whatsoever and not have to do sales. So this certainly is worth its, you know, conversation. I think one of the other really big mistakes that I see entrepreneurs make, particularly someone who's like a coach or a consultant, a trainer, someone who's, you know, selling a package and and usually a fairly substantial package. And this would apply to someone who's selling a car, you know, anything that's real, realtors, anything is they really don't spend enough time finding out what the person wants. They're Mm. so busy talking about what they have and who they are and what they offer. And really for when I do an enrollment call, I don't say anything about what I do or what I offer for the first 75% of the call. So by the time we're through, you know, maybe 45 minutes to even an hour, I know a whole lot about them. Mm-hmm. I know exactly where they're, what they're, what they're going through, what they've tried, where they're at, what they want. And then I can really address what I have to offer. Cause really up until that point in time, you don't have any business offering your offer. Cause you don't know enough. You are winging it. You are guessing and really you're not doing your service any justice and you're, and you're doing a huge disservice to the potential client. Yeah, I think that's a rookie mistake and even not even rookie mistake, I would call it an enthusiastic mistake. It took me a really long time to uh, when I would be talking to someone and then they would give me a problem or two that I, I know I could fix and make such a difference. And I had other clients, I really turned it around for them doing this. So then my enthusiasm would like a wild horse escape me. And I would jump in with start giving solutions, which frankly, first of all, I didn't have all the information. Secondly, you know, it's, it's a loud and hard on your head and it's not, not aggressive, but it was just too much coming at you like water hose coming, you know, in your mouth. And, and it, it, then I really, if you're, if you're not careful, you can start to get into teaching mode and like ugh, the wheels are off now. Right. Yeah. But it was yeah. my enthusiasm to help. And I dove in too quickly and I gave too much information and I will give you that when you do sales better and better and better, you talk less, less, and less, and you talk later, later, and later. Yeah. 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 So that's the secret. And it's so 
hard in the beginning until you start to see the results of doing it differently. And then you go, oh my goodness, I am never going back to that old way. And you just learn to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> and I think too, that goes back to the idea that sales has a bad name on it because the people who are doing it poorly are so loud and you're in your face, like the, the traditional fast talking salesman all over you, no matter what you say. So then we all go, well, I don't want to be like that. So you either say nothing or you you do it, you know, whatever. There's just a thousand ways you do it wrong. Right. Right. So, okay. Talk less. I've learned talk less and, and, and later that's my big takeaways. Okay. Keep us going down this path of wisdom. It's really helpful. And, and, And some of the stuff, even though if you think, you know, it's like, oh, I need to be reminded, or I thought I knew I need to know again, that type of thing. I think one of the biggest mistakes that I see as well, and this is, I think, particularly for women entrepreneurs, but, you know, men can be definitely, they have a a feminine side to them too. And it can be, there's lots of what I call nurturers. Um, So they are the ones that will discount their prices Mm. or over, and then oftentimes their prices are already too low. Mm. And so this is a big thing because there's a whole fear of, oh, they're not going to like my price and it's going to be too high. So it's really comes down to valuing yourself and the experience and, and everything that you bring to the table. And then oftentimes you'll, at the slightest hesitation before even giving the person a chance to make a comment, you go, oh, but I'll give you 25% off or I'll give you 10% off or I'll throw this in, right? Which is a huge, mis- is a huge mistake again. So it's really valuing what you have and being okay with your price. And you need to be, you need to be really good with your price. Like, I think that that's one of the most fundamental things is if you've got any little nigglies you know, going mm. on in your head about the price the investment in whatever you have, that energy is going to be projected onto your potential client. And they're going to know it. They're going to feel it. Even if you think you're hiding it and you're doing a great, you know, great job of covering it up, it is going to be detectable and they're going to pick that up. And consequently, it's going to really come back and bite you because once they've picked that up, then you're really, you are hooped, right? Because now, now your worst fear has literally come into play and you created it and you don't even know you created it. You think that there was something all out there that was wrong, but really it was, it was your belief, initial belief from the very start. Yeah. It's like dogs, they smell fear and you, you, it's really like trying to hand somebody something, but not letting go when they go to take it. So, you know, you, it, it is, and you come off like, Oh man, she really needs a sale. And there's probably, it, it just, you can smell it, right? <laughs> you can mm-hmm. smell it. So that is really important. And I have found too that I think at the end of the day, you know, it's never about the price. If you don't make a sale, it really is that you, you know, you didn't connect with their pain or their problem. And that, you know, I've seen situations in my much earlier years where it'd be like, okay, I gave it to this person for this price and another person thinking, oh, I really, really want to work with them. And I dropped the price. And it's like, the price just wasn't the factor. You know, putting it down, putting it up, it's, it's not that they can't afford you or that you're asking for too much. It just clearly was not enough value or certainty in your message. Right. So yeah, perfect. Okay. All right. So sales, what are some things that we can do to close the sale or make it easier? You know, what, just keep throwing your, your wisdom on. So hold on, let's back up for a second. When you were doing sales, when you switched from a Jehovah Witness to regular sales, what did you have to unlearn? 
Well, I was still a Jehovah's Witness when I bought my first franchise at 19. Okay, okay. So I had another 19 years of being an entrepreneur as a Jehovah's okay. Witness. Wow, so during okay. that time, I you know, brought uh, Molly Maid out to the west coast of Canada with my mom. We were one of, the, one of the first two franchises, and that was 1981. So that was at a time when the average woman was not having a maid team come into their homes. That was kind of for the rich and famous, right? right? So that was sales. You know, then I went into, you know, I had businesses in the, I had three businesses in the automotive industry, which were all, you know, that was tough. I was dealing with every department in, in, a, in an auto, in a car dealership. Um, I started a home pole dancing business back in 2004, you know, and okay. sold businesses in the box. So I did a lot of those things before I was a Jehovah's Witness. What happened, I think- Before after, you left being Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, before I left being a Jehovah's Witness. Okay. And then after I left the Jehovah's Witness- Because right Witness, now your story has you pole dancing before you were a toddler because you started being Jehovah, Jehovah's Witness when you were a toddler. So before you left the Jehovah's Witness, let's- no, I, I actually, I started the pole dancing business after because the Jehovah's Witnesses would never have gone for a pole dancing business. Let okay, me tell you right, that right. First, right? Okay. But you know, there was a lot of things I did before I left the Jehovah's Witness. And then there was a lot of things I did after. I love okay. Jehovah's Witnesses. And I think that, I don't think a lot changed in my sales conversations. I think okay. what changed was obviously me. I was now free okay. to be me. And that was, right. that was the huge shift. Um, I, I never really changed how I sold. I just changed my personality and I had so much more fun and I was so much more relaxed and I wasn't so uptight because I wasn't, I wasn't living in a cult. Right? Okay. Big difference. So the freedom to be you and you huge. felt you were no longer living in a cult. So then all of a sudden, even though the cult, I would argue, like, you, I guess I would say, because I've never been in a cult, you think, oh, you go to work, you're escaping that cult because you're at work. But no, that's still like beat oh, into no, you, no, surrounding no, 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 you with no. it, right? You are always in the cult. Okay. So you're always in the cult. And so then what happens is you probably, I would say, as you come into your own and be more your own personality, that would aid your sales. So it's really my question of what did you unlearn? It's really just about stepping into your own light. Yeah. And just, and really, yeah. Owning who I was and, and also yeah. owning that I was actually really good at it because right. again, you weren't allowed to have that any kind of self pride oh. that was really kind of pushed down. So, and especially as a woman in the organization, it was very, you were very much, I think a second class citizen, they would disagree. Right. You know, that's how I always felt is you weren't allowed to move ahead in the organization. There was restrictions. So I would say that just, just all of a sudden liking who I was and being able to be completely free of all of those, those restrictions just made a world of difference in my confidence and how I felt about life and how I felt about everything. So like something I learned in the earlier years, I remember finally realizing before what I am before five is, you know, who I am before five is not separate from who I am after five. So I used to think that, you know, okay, sometimes I'm impatient, a little bit rushed, but at work, this is my zone and I'm really good at it and I really like it and blah, blah, blah. And then I didn't realize, you know, how I was articulating myself of bulldozing through things or rushing because, you know, I felt I was behind or whatever. And the consequences of my work when I'm rushing, rushing, rushing. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a bigger lesson for all of us is stepping into who you are does impact every aspect of your business. And in your case, it's, totally. you know, getting relief from being in a cult, somebody else, it might be relief from low self-esteem or whatever you need to do in order to find alignment with who you are in the business. Because I think that shows up 
Yeah. So much when you're selling, because if you're out of alignment with your price or the value or yourself or your, you know, whatever, again, it's all energy, right? And yeah. so that comes across. And, and when you're not really in alignment with who you are, you're not being authentic. You know, that's what pe why people talk so much about authentic selling, but authentic selling starts with being authentic with yourself and really knowing yourself and being okay with yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we've got a few minutes left. What are some final things you feel like we need to know? Well, I'll tell you, Chris, I think the biggest thing that comes across always in sales is people's poor relationship with money, right? Okay. Because money is the foundation of business, right? You don't, if you don't have money and you don't have sales, you don't have a business. You just have an, what I call an expensive hobby. So until you really come to terms with money relationships, then you really will always struggle with money, which is why I always start all my clients off with the sacred money archetype assessment. Okay. And what it does is they, it's a free assessment and they do it and they find out what are their top three archetypes. Well, they find out all their archetypes, but then I do a complimentary reading with them that really helps them to see how those top three archetypes are affecting their sales, their business, and their, their bank account. So I mentioned earlier about a nurturer. So a nurturer is all about their prices usually are too low and then they discount on top of it and then they over deliver. Okay. So right there, there's like a, a triple whammy that is really going to affect your, your income. You can have someone who's, um, you know, the, the celebrity that's all about image and all about caring about how they, how they position themselves in the marketplace. Um, you know, the, the accumulator, the ruler, the maverick, they all have such different personalities. And what can happen with your archetypes, and it's fascinating, is you can have, for example, a, a connector, which is all about building relationships. And that connector is going, oh, yeah, you know, we got to connect with these people. We got to network here. And you can have then the, uh, the um, let's say, the accumulator that's all about saving money. And so their only concern is what does your bank account, bank account look like? So you can feel like you've got the devil on one shoulder and the devil on another. And it can be like cacophony in your head as they two of them are competing for where you're going to prioritize in your business. <laughs> right. So when I do this reading with them, it's really, it gives them like, they go, oh my goodness. Like, now I understand that I'm not crazy, that I haven't got a split personality, that it's really, it's, I understand now that my my money archetypes are really having a massive impact on my business and on how I view sales and how I handle money. That makes sense. Yeah. There's so much subtleties when you are the business, really, it doesn't matter what you're selling. You are the business and all that stuff you sort of take for granted or just think, Oh, once I get to a certain level and making more money, I won't need the sale as much. And so that I won't feel like, ah, you know, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. Do they buy or whatever? And I know I learned in my early years too, I might have somebody um, where like, I almost wanted to prove to them that I could do it. Like the person that you had to, dare I say, sell a little harder. And you'd be like, oh, I'm really going to show them that, that they spent good money here. And I wouldn't do that with a 10 foot pole now. Like, if you don't see my worth, this is not going to be a good fit and I'm going to be doing all the work. And so I just have no interest in working with you and proving myself where in the beginning you get sucked into that a lot. So I, I do agree with everything you say, like it, it just, your energy dictates everything. So it, it, it fabulous lessons, but yes, I don't think we've ever had somebody that 
started the sales journey as early as you did. So interesting, interesting. All right. So where can people find you when they want to find out more? I suggest that everybody starts with doing that sacred money archetype assessment okay. because it's so fascinating and it will give you such an amazing insight into your world. So that can be found at the number eight moneyarchetypes.com. Okay. So, and I'm sure that can go into your show notes, but for sure do the assessment. It takes less than 10 minutes. Seriously, it should take, and it's always first thought is best thought. Just answer what comes into your head. You will get a copy of it. I'll get a copy of it. You'll have an opportunity to book a 30 minute complimentary. And I really, I look at, I ask you, I, I explain to you your top three. And then I, I ask you about your business so we can find out exactly how it's having an impact on your business. People go away just going, oh my goodness, I cannot believe how much I learned about myself and money. And as I said, this is the root of all business. This is the foundation mm. of your business. And we have, we get so little education on it, never mind understanding how we are uniquely different because every combination will be, be very different. That is spectacular. We'll take her up on that offer. Everyone go there. We'll make sure it's in the show notes. Let's get on that. I mean, hey, it's a free gift, right? So we want to take up on that. All right. Thank you again, Jan. We appreciate you and everyone else to the next episode. We'll see you then. Thank you, Chris. It was fun. Hey guys, I'm super, super excited to share with you right now. We are gearing up to do a crazy, amazing launch with the outsourcing playbook for busy entrepreneurs on Black Friday. We are going to have a spectacular Black Friday special. And this is full, chock full of amazing content. It's really about creating your win team so you get to what is next, what is next, so that you can get ideas to implementation and really make your ambitions come alive. So get on the waiting list, www.comingsoonfromchris, K-R-I-S.com. Coming soon from Chris, K-R-I-S.com. Chris,